Charlotte Barron is an old friend here on Mindful Social, and I'm honored she asked me to preview her latest book, the first in a trilogy, called Fuck the Bucket List for the Soul, Discover the Wonder of You. Ayelet walked away from her corporate career to pursue her truth, to face her fears, and create a life that challenges, fulfills, and enriches not only her own life, but that of others. As we face so many challenges this year, everything has changed in mere days. And now, in such a perfect opportunity to take a good look at the hows, the whys, the why-nots in our lives and make a choice to see the opportunities we may have been blind to until now. Keep listening to hear more from Ayelet about the book, about her life, and about what it's like to be changing your life in the middle of a pandemic. Stay tuned. Welcome to Mindful Social, Ayelet. This is the second time I've been delighted to have you on the show. And I am so intrigued by your story and how you've gotten to where you are. And it's been a while to get to this book. And so much thought and so much passion into it. Why don't we start with, why don't you tell us how you got here in less than three hours? (laughs) I love a challenge and you know that, Janet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's funny, I was writing this book in 2014 when I started my journey And I ended up going to the Amazon rainforest with uh, Lynn Twist and an amazing group of unbelievable women to look at maternal health. And I had a quarter of the book written. And when I went into the rainforest, which is something I never thought I would do, (laughs) um, at that time I probably needed more of a spa than... uh, than a rainforest, but I, it wasn't true. I really needed to go to Ecuador and experience all of this. And I had this night where I had this vision um, where I felt like I was told that there was a message that I was supposed to bring to lots of people. And I kept asking, I was meeting with the local tribe people. And I kept asking them, how many people am I supposed to be telling? And they kept telling me lots and lots. And I'm like, what do you mean lots and lots? And I heard millions, but I think they told me billions. So I'm sticking with what I think I heard. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I kept going like, who me? What, what are you talking about? So I came back and I actually wrote a totally different book. I put this book on hold and I wrote my first book, which is about business called uh, our journey to corporate sanity on how we bring some sense of sanity to business and really look at how do we bring people together, shared purpose, collaboration. And because I had just stepped out of being this very successful tech executive and fired myself in corporate America, I guess I was more comfortable doing that. And I met amazing people who told me their stories and shared them openly in the book. And I left San Francisco um, after that um, to come to the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia, which I didn't even know that British Columbia had a Sunshine Coast, (laughs) (laughs) with a dream to um, start an academy for conscious leadership, and slowly everything fell apart. 
and um, it was a little bit devastating in the beginning. And then um, while I was doing that, I started writing these other books. <laughs> and uh, I wrote two, two books with men that will probably not see the light, light of day. Uh, one, one with a very well-known musician who had a great story and another one with a, with a very interesting guy. And then I started asking myself, what am I doing? Why am I here? What am I doing on this planet? And then I realized like, I came here to, to, to this place in British Columbia, like to be in nature and to understand that we're part of nature to write this um, book called Fuck the Bucket List. And um, last November I finished it and I gave it to a number of early readers to get their response and to see how it resonates. And what everybody told me was it has too much information. There's just so much in it. Um, uh, one woman blew me away. I didn't even think she was going to like it. And she told me it was like binoculars for my soul. Mm. And I had kept the book in, in three um, legs of the journey. I wrote the book as a journey with different expeditions. And when I saved the book, I saved it in three different files. On and purpose or by accident? Just, I don't know. <laughs> And so when people were telling me there's too much information, I realized I had written a trilogy. I just mm -hmm. know it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't set goals and, and I set intentions. And so then I realized that there are three distinct um, books. And so that's how I got here. I, you know, I, um, I am just releasing the first book, which is uh, Fuck the Bucket List for the Soul. Mm -hmm. discover the wonder of you because I feel like the first step in the journey is to remember um, that we are powerful beings and to find our voice and step into our power and to really understand the difference between societal conditioning and what's possible and I'm just finishing the editing of the second book which is fuck the bucket list for the adventurer trekking into the unknown which I think is really timely for 2020 and beyond and um, it's got a lot of expeditions in it about, you know, fear and how do we step into knowing what our enough is and when is enough enough and really finding out our relationship with, with the unknown. And then I'm very close to finishing the third book, which is Fuck the Bucket List um, for the Health Conscious, Trusting Your Heart. And I feel that that's the adventure we're on because once we get to really reacquaint ourselves with ourselves, which might sound a bit crazy <laughs> um, <No. laughs> and then be able to say, okay, we know the known, we know the past. Mm -hmm. We really want history to repeat itself, both on an individual level and on a collective level. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, then we have to have a certain sen um, sense of comfort for the unknown. And the, when we trust our hearts, we really get in touch with why we're here and what our mission is and what we're here to do. And I realized that, you know, I was writing the books and this is one of the most challenging part. I think that 2% of the 7.7 billion people on the planet have really had enough in terms of wanting to create healthy systems. They don't want to be victims anymore. And we don't want to just say, this is the way it is. And what I realized is like, when you live in a house where the foundation is rotting, 
you don't build a second story. And, <laughs> you know, you, you take a hard look at what's happening. And in the world today, most of our systems, we have to thank our ancestors for getting us here, but most of them are rotting. And it's time for the pioneers to step out and say, okay, what's the next level? Do we really need work to be this way? What's education looking like? What's healthcare looking like? And there's so many people doing amazing things in the world right now. We just never hear about it. So I'm, I'm here to support. This is my mission. This is why I came to this planet. Some people, when I say it's 2%, they say to me, oh, no, that's too small. I'm like, 2% of 7.7 .7 billion, that's a lot of millions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if I can figure out how to get this to help people activate, mm -hmm. then my work is done. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very clear that this, this is not for everyone. It's really for people that are ready to step out of the, the frameworks that we have, like, We've created right and wrong based on the lowest common denominator. We've created laws and policies based on, on the lowest common denominator. Um, you know, we teach kids the difference between right and wrong. So there's a story of a little girl who goes, you know, it's before COVID. She went to the food court with her parents and, um, it was very crowded and they found a place to sit and the little girl starts yelling at the top of her lungs and she's pointing at this woman. She goes, mom, dad, look, that woman has a mustache. And mom and dad are like absolutely mortified. Like you can't say that. Mm -hmm. And so they get into this dilemma of teaching her right and wrong. And then what's, what's acceptable and what society is and what can you really say? And the little girl is very confused because is it a fact that this woman has a mustache? Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but, you know, she's being shamed and being told it's wrong um, to do that. And so, again, um, we've created all these man-made rules. And so we actually can track who created these rules, who created healthcare, who created government, who created taxation, but we have no idea who created the moon and the stars and the sun and the earth. We have a lot of theories. You know, the only thing we know in this lifetime is that one day we're going to die and we're terrified by that. But that's the only thing we know. The rest of the stuff we're making up. So why can't we make up as we move forward so human history doesn't repeat itself? Why can't we make up healthy stories? And for each child to know from the time they're, they're young, what's healthy and toxic for me, for my body, for my mind, for my heart, you know, the people that I put in my heart, the, the food I put in my body, you know, I think we would actually reduce bullying if I would know as a little kid saying, you know what, you're not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be part of your gang, you know? So, so that, that brings a question to me, to how do we break out of the boxes that we've been put in through conditioning, through history, and allow ourselves to just take one baby little step out of that box and explore what's real as opposed to all the stories that we're telling ourselves or we've been told. I think it's, it's very personal. 
Like one of my things is, is I don't have your answers, <laughs> but I can help you with your questions. Right. And that's part of the conditioning. The conditioning is that there's an expert that has our answers. Mm -hmm. So we get shut down all the time because that person knows more than us or they have the five step um, process. I wow. mean, if they really knew there would be no need for this work in the world, I wouldn't need to write these books because we would be able to question ourselves and really find our own path. And I think we've been so conditioned that someone else, there's someone smarter than us, there's someone better than us that knows us. And we barely know ourselves. Right. They don't know us. They don't know us. They don't get to put us in that box. No. But no. still they do and we allow it. Yeah. So it's 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 personal. Very personal. It's personal. We're, we're used to the person who's standing in front of the room or in the front of the Zoom or whatever. <laughs> in front of our fantasy background. <laughs> whatever it is, right. who knows us more than us. And we're never, you know, I, you know, it's funny because like when I was trying to put this book online, I really think it's in a category called self-awareness. Mm -hmm. But that box doesn't exist. It's either self-help or spirituality, and this book doesn't fit in any of these categories. And so I went actually to this big writers conference, and I started asking the big people, the experts, the questions of why can't we just create a new category and or impact, you know, ones that have an impact. And I felt like I was back in business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they gave me all the reasons of like, sit down, shut up. This is how we do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't sit down and shut up, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to do it, but some people, that's the way, you know, we were told not to rock the boat, but you know, it's, it's fun to rock the boat <laughs> <laughs> for me. I don't, you know, I don't know what's healthy or unhealthy for you. It was funny, a couple of years ago, I gave a talk in, um, in this travel conference in Mexico. And um, this woman came up after me and she said, oh my God, that was incredible, but you didn't give me my five takeaways. <laughs> the formula, get that formula. Uh, I looked at her and I said, listen, uh, Michelle, who I love, told us the 17 foods to never eat. But how does she know? And I, I love I love her. I love what she has to say, but how does she know? Does she know your body? Does she know what you respond to? Like nobody could tell. I, I said the only thing I could tell you about what you should eat or not eat is make sure that it comes from nature. And it doesn't include chemicals. But otherwise, you have to be on this journey to find out what is healthy or, or toxic for you. I don't know what it is. So I can't give you your five takeaways. If I spend time with you and I get to know you and I get to ask you questions and we really get to the heart of it, then we can figure out things. <laughs> mm -hmm. But until I do that, I can't, I can't be responsible and conscious and tell you this is, this is the way. Because what scares you might not scare me. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we all have 
But as I said before, we have the boxes that we've been given to us historically that our parents told us, the boxes that we built around our own aspirations, I'm not saying intentions on purpose. Um, you know, it's really, there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves that we really don't need to. And it's very constrictive and constraining, but it's also very hard to let go of it. Um, you know, I, as you know, I've been through a big pivot in the last few years, and there are a lot of things I'm still clutching at. That's success. That's what I need to do. You know, I have to have ABC, and I don't. And it takes me a long time to go, oh, okay, I did all that, and, and it didn't get what I wanted it to be. So when do we start having the courage to let go of clinging, let go of grasping at what we think is important and just be with what is. I think uh, a lot of it is becoming aware of your limiting beliefs mm -hmm. um, and, and knowing what role they play in your life. And also I'm a big believer um, now that I'm really like living in nature that you need to get to the root cause of things and so, you know, you have to know, is that voice like your father's voice, your mother's voice, a teacher's voice, um, because there's soundtracks that are running in, our, in the background of our mind that are telling us stories of how we need to be and that if we don't do X, Y, and Z, we will not attain whatever. And so really understanding your limiting beliefs and, and what your relationship is with success. Um, and then really understanding is, is like for me personally, when, once I realize like, oh my God, like I'm carrying all this emotional baggage with me um, wherever I go. And it's because I was told that, you know, if I don't do this, then I won't be successful. And, and then I started like doing all the things. I mean, I wanted to write since I was a kid and it was like, how are you going to make a living? And then I found my way to theater and I auditioned for the best school um, for theater for my undergrad and I, I got in and my dad almost had a heart attack. Like, what are you going to do with that? And then like, I don't know, just when things happen, I, I was able to do my undergrad in two years instead of four. So I changed majors and then I had to be responsible. And so I went through all the things that most of us go through um, and put it on hold for like some day. And my thing is, is like, you have to experience it yourself to know when you're ready to let go, when you're ready to let go of that story. Because, you know, are you telling this, are you in life to be um, a character in somebody's story? Or do you want to write your own story in life, which might not be the typical success? And I think that's, that's what's happening. And that's why I'm saying like this work is for the 2% of us um, in, in of the 7.7 .7 or 7.8 billion people on the planet who are saying, we want to write these stories. We want to figure out how to live. I mean, I love these analogies with houses and I have no idea how I got to them, but you know, today, like when you think about a house, the house tells you what you're supposed to do in every room. You have a living room, which most people don't live in <laughs> and because people weren't living in their living rooms. We created family rooms in Dan. And I mean, this is, again, this is a very North American thing. 
Um, um, and then we created dens and, and playrooms or whatever. And then men decided they needed caves. And, you know, and so we started to create all these things in the house. But let's say I gave you um, hemp locks, which are available now on the market, and said to you, you can construct your own house in the way you don't have to do it based on this blueprint. Of course, it needs a foundation, it needs a roof, it needs all these things. But what are the rooms in the house that actually would suit you? How would you construct your own house instead of being told that this is the way to do it? And could you actually get out of that structure? Or would you take those same hemp blocks or whatever that construction thing is and create a kitchen and a family space. I don't think people would create living rooms anymore, you know, but <laughs> there's, there's so many different ways to look at things. And I think that's one of the things that is really challenging. And, you know, you have really taken the leap of faith to, I'm going to create my life. I'm going to do what my heart is telling me to do which is scary as hell. And I think I recognize that it probably still is. Um, I don't think that made it easy for you, did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think I learned a lot about attachment and detachment mm. and what I was like attached to, which goes again to the belief system mm -hmm. and being able to heal it. I mean, there is not one person on this earth who does not have some trauma, who has not gone through something horrific. Mm -hmm. um, some people talk about it, some people don't, some people suppress it their whole life, but each one of us is here to learn. I mean, this is like the, the you know, this is our, our school of life, um, which is the most incredible school we get to experience. And until you deal with those traumas, and until you look at situations, I mean, I have to say that I, I walk towards like being chosen, like that was a limiting belief for me, you know, waiting for somebody to choose me, whether it was, you know, for love or for work or for whatever. I was... <laughs> don't, we all, don't we all wait for somebody to tell us we're glorious? Right. And, and I started to look at that. And actually, Seth Godin really helped me with that. Um, when I fired myself from, from my corporate job, um, when I was there, I was working like 24-7, traveling around the world. I managed to work in over 100 countries, which was a real gift because I got to see different cultures and people. And I think it helped me a lot in, in the work that I'm doing now um, to understand things from, from different perspectives and not take anything for granted because I've been to the poorest place. And I've been with the wealthiest people, you know, I've been to all these extremes and what I saw and what I've seen is, is very similar. And when I left my job, I was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a life outside for like, you know, 12, 13 years because I was married, you know, I, I was married, but then got divorced because of my job. Um, but I was really married and dedicated to what I was creating through my work because I was told career success. And as a woman, you know, career success, you, you know, and my, my dad was devastated when I fired myself from my PhD program 
when I was very close to get it because I just didn't believe in the system anymore. And so I found myself um, sitting there when I when I fired myself from from my corporate job and really thinking about where are people? <laughs> what is life outside of, of the tech in Silicon Valley? And um, I started looking for things that really appealed to me. And I got invited to this event that Seth Godin was hosting in New York. And I gave myself a budget because I could. And I said, for the next certain amount of time, I'm going to go out and see what people are doing. What are they creating? Who's showing up? What's the conversation? Like, just really throw in. And... I, I had never read any of his books, um, and I showed up in this event with maybe 50 people in this beautiful theater in New York, and everybody was like a fan of his, and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting, and they put us in the theater, and I felt like, like this was, there was a celebrity kind of feel to it, and this 17-year-old beautiful girl comes out on the stage and she starts singing the most beautiful song um, on her ukulele. And it didn't matter like where you came from, what you did, we were all like mesmerized by this young woman and you could tell it from the energy of everybody who's in the room. And then when she was done, we all like applauded and stood up and were super excited and Seth came out and he, he had a really bad flu and he said, I can't remember her name, he said, wasn't she amazing? She's 17. And I met her at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And I was just so touched. The man just had me captivated from that point um, to, to see like what relationships are all about and how to ignite um, people. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. And one of the things he talked about was like waiting to be picked and um, after after that, I decided I was going to write a little um, a little ebook for my friends because I got so much out of it that I did like a, a visual and and a little bit of writing, and I created a little ebook. And the first person I sent it to was him. I said, "You taught us to ship it as mm -hmm. part of like if you're going to create something, you got to ship it." So here I am. I'm shipping it. <laughs> And he wrote me right back. And there's so much that has helped me from taking what he said that was healthy for me. Mm -hmm. And and not like just, oh, Seth, the, the guru. I was the only person there that never asked to take a picture with him. Mm -hmm. And at some point we were just kind of like bumped into each other. And I just, I just said, Hey, I didn't even say my name. I just said, you know, I just want to say thank you. And we had this little chat and that that's what I took away because that's what I needed at the time. Yeah. When we're open to those opportunities, you know, and really have that opportunity mindset, it, can be huge because we stop struggling so much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really believe that struggling is at the root of a lot of our problems. Um, you know, so being open and exploring like that is an amazing thing to be able to do. So that brings the question of, you know, how do we take a look how do we step back and take stock of where we are 
figure out what doesn't serve us and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to let go of that. And leaving, not just trying to fill that space, but to open that space and see what comes through opportunity, through being open and listening to ourselves. Yeah, the, the biggest shift we need right now in, in the world, um, again, not for everybody, but for people that are ready, the biggest shift is a mindset one. Mm-hmm. Is to really get to know. I mean, I have this exercise in the book um, on the expedition about limiting beliefs that talk about the baggage that we carry and really looking at what is in our baggage. And so from a physical perspective, if you were going on a trip of a lifetime, what would you take with you? And then from an emotional um, perspective, what toxic beliefs would you, would you pack on your trip? What healthy beliefs would you pack on your trip? How many, how many pieces of luggage will you have? <laughs> what, are you, what are we dragging um, along with us that we might not be aware of? I mean, even easy and hard are constructs that we create it. Right. And, and what's easy for me may be really hard for you. And, and that's why, like, you know, I, I listen to conversations now and people are like, oh, that's stupid and that's that, that blame and that shame and... And I'm like, can we just stop being outraged? I, I even like, I, I heard today a new term and I, I just laughed for, I can't even tell you how long I laughed, but somebody coined a new term called um, outrage fatigue. <laughs> we all have that. I definitely have that right now. And I'm like, this is all stuff that we're creating and we're choosing whether to buy into it and whether not it's really easy you know we've created the the hero and the superheroes and the victims and the villains and we've overplayed it a bit i i looked at everything and i said i don't want to be a victim anymore Mm -hmm. um and it was interesting because i was i was working on this very prestigious project that i walked away from last summer because the person i was working with she kept saying to me why are you such a victim? And I I would look at her and I would be like, what are you talking about? First of all, we're working. You're not my therapist. (laughs) And what are you talking about? And then I realized it was a lot of projection. Mm -hmm. And, And I was like, okay, I'm not staying here. I don't care how prestigious this is because this is, this is impeding on my, on my health. Sure, it will help me to pay my bills right now. It'll give me access to all these great things, but it's not working for me. And so people thought I was nuts, but I am nuts. So it didn't matter to me. (laughs) Really, you know, being able to recognize and giving ourselves a little bit of space to be able to recognize, oh, this isn't good instead of simply accepting it and powering through it, like we've all done for years and years and our entire lifetimes, really. Yeah. So how do we um, take those stories that other people are projecting on us and just let it be Teflon? No, not, not allow that to color our vision of ourselves. Well, it's, it's resistance, 
right? I mean, when we, when we go into, like yesterday, I'm, I'm part of this online community and somebody posted something yesterday and everybody was like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. And I went to read it and I looked at it and I was like, I can't read it because the font is so light. She changed the format of how she's communicating with us. And so I went into the online community and I said, hey, I'm having a real struggle with this. I can't, like, I don't even know why you put it in this. I didn't put it that way, but like, you know, why you had to pretty it up. I just want the content, (laughs) but now I can't access it. And someone was like, well, if you do this and that, and I said, you know what? I'm feeling so much resistance with it. This message isn't for me. Mm. And I just, I just let it go. So when you start seeing that resistance of, of like somebody telling you that you're a certain way and in your body, you're not feeling that you're that way and you're feeling this resistance, there's something unhealthy in that. Mm-hmm. And I would love us, uh, that's what I've been working on is rewiring myself and resetting myself instead of good and bad, which is judgment because, or appropriate or inappropriate or right or wrong. And of course we need some of those foundationally, but I'm talking about an individual life mm-hmm. instead of those constructs that I inherited. Now I say, are the people that I'm putting in my heart healthy for me? Or are they toxic? Mm-hmm. Are the beliefs that I'm putting in my mind, are they healthy or toxic? And is the food product services that I'm putting in or on my body um, healthy or um, toxic. Um, it's interesting. The CEO of, and founder of Skin to Skin, Maget Weight, who's this amazing, incredible woman, taught me that anything that we put on our skin, we have to be able to eat, mm. which I never knew, you know, because if it had like a big brand and, you know, everybody was like, this is the, the skincare that you should use, or this is the toothpaste you should use, or this is the deodorant you should use. I was like, okay. But then when I started to see an increase in breast cancer among women and see the correlation between a lot of these deodorants and lymph nodes, I realized that, no, we can't keep consuming this because it's killing us. Right. And so we, we got organic with our food because we think like, okay, we're putting it into our body through our mouth. But now we have to become conscious and aware of what we're consuming. And again, not just products and services, people, beliefs. Are they healthy or toxic to my well-being? Are they making me sick or are they making me well? If I go spend an hour and all I'm doing is, is Janet this did this to me and can you believe that? And and blaming Janet for all my troubles. It's, it's not healthy for Janet or for me. Right. So I got to take accountability for the stories that I'm telling. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm telling the story that where I'm a victim and someone else is a villain, how did I get to that point? Yeah. Yeah. And having the power, you talk in the book a lot about having the power to choose, creating that courage to make a choice. Do I continue to follow this path? And recognizing the stories, you know, that we're telling ourselves, recognizing those things that we're putting on our bodies and our minds as to, is this really healthy for me? Not is it healthy for everybody else? You know, not is it everybody says I have to be using this particular face cream. It's, is this good for me? 
And it's really about, you know, stopping, taking that breath and going, okay, how do I feel about this? You know, how am I embodying what's going on with me right now? And, you know, I think a lot of times people don't recognize that um, our bodies actually experience things before our minds do. So, wow, you know, if I'm talking to somebody and I get that tightness in my chest, then I need to check in with that and go, okay, what's that about? Is it anticipation? Is it fear? You know, what is that? And the more we get in touch with that, the more we're able to make better conscious choices. It's hard. Nobody's going to say it's easy. Staying in the same place isn't easy either. So which do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, you could remain unconscious mm-hmm. and just blame everyone else. Um, I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's most of us have been, and it's not like I'm criticizing anybody. It's just the way that we've been conditioned. It's the way yeah. that we've been conditioned. It's the way that we have accepted, as you say in the book. And also, it's the way that we have chosen to be because it's a seemingly easier route. It isn't. It's not because it leads you to the suffering and it leads you to the struggling. I mean, I really believe that we came into this um body uh, with with something to do on the planet even if it's like living a healthy life it's not about I am done with like trying to save the world or make it better I want the current world like you know everything in life in nature has has seasons has life and death and I don't want to keep this this world on life support I want to take it off and I want us to create systems that serve the vast majority of humanity. And not everybody is going to do that. Like be a pioneer in your own life of really digging in the dirt <laughs> and, and planting seeds that are healthy for you. And, and for me, the book kind of serves two purposes. One is to help anyone who wants to go on the path of really discovering and uncovering and digging deep inside of what of what you're here to create and it could be that you're here to create a child <laughs> it could be that you're here to create a relationship i mean it, it doesn't have to be that you're here to be gandhi um or or anything like that and 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 anything you do is fine if it's healthy for you and then I also want to reach out to anyone who wants to say, okay, I've had enough of how of choosing the lesser of two evils in politics. Let's create something that serves the vast majority of humanity. Mm-hmm. Let's let's stop these ridiculous cycles of human history. My my first memory in life is war. I was three and a half years old, and war broke out in my country. And it was, it's crazy to think about it because if the other side won the war, we wouldn't be here right now. And so war became very real to me. And since a young age, I've been advocating, like, what are we fighting for? Mm-hmm. What are we fighting for? Land? Beliefs? What are, why, why, are, why are we fighting? Like, we choose somebody to spend our life with. And then every day we go home and we fight with them because we want to be right. I mean, I had a, I was, I was traveling and I had, um, I got into a ride sharing car 
and we started to talk as he was asking what where I was from, what I was doing, and and he's like, oh, can I ask you a bunch of questions? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and the whole ride, he was asking me questions, and I finally got to my destination. And I was about to to get out, and he said to me, can I ask you one more question? And I'm like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't have your answers because I don't know you, but you know. And mostly, I, I asked him more questions. <laughs> and um, and he said, yeah, you know, I'm having a really hard time with my wife, and and. I don't know what, what to do, and we're always fighting. And I said to him, why did you marry her? And he said, because I love her. I said, so do you want to spend your life fighting with the woman you love? What was his answer? His answer was, in my culture, I'm the man of the house. Mm -hmm. He said, so does your culture make you happy? And then I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> Convenient. Convenient. I yell it. <laughs> but it's true. We don't think about those things. And we think about all these constraints that are really self-imposed, even though we don't realize it. And, you know, there's so much opportunity. You know, we have the blessing of choice. And I think at the end of the day, what all in my mind, all we need to be is a ripple in the pond because a ripple in the pond can have a huge effect. You know, it's the whole butterfly effect idea of a butterfly's wings flapping around the world can affect the entire world. So we don't have to be anything more than that. And when we stop struggling, when we stop striving to be powerful or rich or any of those things, then people naturally are interested in what you're doing, maybe negatively, maybe positively, but it does help attract other people who are willing to just be. And, you know, that's, it takes a certain amount of equanimity to be able to deal with just being but it's a very powerful thing too. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we've got addictions, you know, that we don't know, like the addiction of being busy, the, the addiction of, again, I don't care if you have a bucket list or not. What I care about is are the things on the bucket list yours? Mm. Do you really want to go parachute or, or bungee jump or, you know, see whatever wonder of the world? Like, if you have a bucket list of things that you can't do today, are they yours? Um, not someone else's list of what you're supposed to do during your lifetime to feel like you're not, you're not enough. Because if, if most of us understand, I mean, some of the most inspirational people I've ever met, we're not standing in front. We're not presidents. I've met a lot of people. I've met science Nobel laureates. I've met, I've met, actors. I mean, I've met a lot of people, celebrities, um, you know, high profile business people, billionaires, and the most inspiring people I've ever met were in, um, in slums. The, 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 the girls who drew pictures of, you know, if they were given opportunity, they would create a place where everybody would learn. And even the orphans would have food all the time. 
I mean, the most inspiring people I've ever met have been the curious people, not the people who stand up and tell me about their achievements. It's the people that stand up and talk about their curiosity, their imagination, and what they want to create. And we have a whole bunch. I mean, a lot of the young people that are being born right now or have been born in the last 10 to 15 years, they're wired very differently. And there is so much hope that if we stop talking about what jobs are you going to have? <laughs> um, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's what you just said. Like, you know, what do you love? What don't you love? What do you want to create? I mean, that's how we're going to get out of it. But we're so, the biggest virus we're facing today is the virus of the mind. It's the virus of fear because I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. Those are all the limiting beliefs. And, and each one of us, even the people that, that people put on a pedestal, they go through that all the time themselves. Right. And so, you know, I don't want to rely my life anymore on billionaires or philanthropists because I, I mean, when I started on the speaking circuit, uh, I'm only 27. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, but like a couple of decades ago, I would say we're facing one of the biggest leadership crises we've ever seen in the world. Mm. And what I'm asking people, if you're listening to this, what I'm asking people is to understand that leadership is not outside ourselves. We need you to step up and be a leader of each one of us can be a leader of our own life. And when we are so much is possible because we stop competing. We stop building all these ridiculous systems of win lose. All our systems are built on win lose for somebody to win somebody must lose, whether it's a political election, whether it's a raise at work, whether it's a promotion, whether it's who got, who got the best whatever. Everything we've constructed is on a win-lose scenario. And so if we stop competing with each other and start competing with ourselves to be the best that we can be, rather than take someone else down and we could figure out how to lift each other up, it, you know, our lives would be really full. Yeah. And, and it's so richer. Ain't easy, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's always such a pleasure chatting with you. We could go on for a long time. <laughs> well, I just have to say that I love, I love your transformation. Oh, thank you. And I love what you bring to the world and how you really care deeply. And you inspire me with what you're creating, and, and the honor is all mine. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. So we're here to share your book. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> we're here to share your book. <laughs> but we share the book. I mean, I would love to do a series of conversations with readers, not mm -hmm. have me talk, but talk about, like, I'm, I'm looking for a platform or once, I haven't found it yet, or once people experience the books and the expeditions, they could go find each other mm -hmm. and be able to talk and construct. I mean, I would love to find an online community where people can like experience the book and then go talk, whether it's about your life or whether I'm creating the next level of healthcare or whatever it is. I'd love for people, because to me, the books are about activation 
and, and a call to action. And I would love to have conversations. I'm so curious to hear from people about what they took away and, and, you know, what their experience is because we continue to write the stories together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And, and we need that now more than ever, a sense of a conscious community that, you know, is really thinking about living. Yeah, that's huge. So if anybody out there has the community that you need an advocate for, that you need a, gosh, I don't even know. I'm not going to put you in a box. You're there. Uh, <laughs> but please do reach out. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and obviously where they can find the book? Right now you find me in a little town. That <laughs> <laughs> you could only get by plane since the plane started taking off again and and boat but I don't think I will be here a year from now um but um I'm everywhere online the thing you need to know is how to spell my name <laughs> so one of my favorite platforms still today is is Twitter and um and I'm at uh I-L-E-T-B, A-Y-E-L-E-T-B. Um, on Twitter, and I'm launching a new website this week, at, which will be ilatbaron.com. And then you will also be able to find me on um, Amazon <laughs> and Barnes and Noble and all the online uh, bookstores. But if you really want to talk, um, my my number and my email will be on my website, and so um, just reach out. Um, and I'm I'm here. Mm, that's very generous of you. Thank you. And do note, everybody, that that will all be on the website, the blog post that goes with the podcast. So if you're listening to this, go to the blog post, click the links, find Ayelet. It'll definitely be worth it for you, I promise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Mindful Social. It's been so great to see the subscriptions growing and the feedback has really helped me make the show even better. So if you know somebody who needs to be on the show, email me at Janet at JanetFouts.com and please send me feedback there too or post a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Oh, and do me a favor, share this show on social media or with a friend. Thank you.